0: You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at slash sermons. My lesson this morning, the last lesson of the meeting, is growing weary. It was a lesson that I had put together all oh, several months ago, maybe last year sometime. Because we were, as a nation, and even among God's people, growing weary from some of the challenges of the last three years, particularly related to the COVID issues, but I wanted to look at some things that talk about growing weary and cause us to grow weary, things to look out for, and ways to overcome that so that we can continue with a higher spirit of devotion to God and be able to serve Him. In Galatians chapter 6 and verses 7 through 10, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The context of this writing here has to do with spiritual good. This good word is not a general good of everything. It is a word that has to do with the problems that were introduced in verses 1 through 5, or 1 through 6. And that was the falling brother. The fallen brother who is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. And he goes through there talking about the attitude that a person needs to have to go to this fallen brother and to bring him back, to restore him back to that relationship with God. And it talks about the one in verse 6, let him who is taught with the word share in all good things with him who teaches. This is an admonition to the one who has fallen away. Share in what this one who's trying to restore you is sharing with you. That you respond to the good things he's trying to teach you. The context doesn't have to do with paying a preacher. It's not talking about temporal goods. When it comes to verse 9 and it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good for the new season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Has a reference to our good in spiritual things in serving God. Let us not grow weary. That means that we have things that we can do. We looked at a lesson earlier that had to do with get to work, get busy, do what God expects us to do to we were created for a purpose. We live in a world that seems to be bent on defying God and godly living. I have a list of several things here. I'm not going to read through them. I think you have a sample to get an idea if you pick up a handout or an outline. But there are several things that churches or religion in general seems to feel like this is what God wants us to do. This is pleasing to God because it's pleasing to us. And this particular list that I have happened to be this last fall in our town, the city of Centerville, a town of about 6,200 people, and the churches were very active during the latter part of October, of course, being the time of Halloween. The Chamber of Commerce appealing to churches because Halloween fell on Sunday. What are we going to do about that? Well, many of the churches pitched in and said, let's just have trunk or treat, let's have all kinds of... Uh, activities uh, during that day and and acknowledge that as a day to uh, celebrate Halloween but also the uh, one of the churches of Christ in our uh, community that decided to have trunk or treat during this time and to see religions turn themselves over to those kind of fleshly enticements and all is a wearisome thing to think that religion is reduced to that it's going on all the time in our country. It goes on in Mulvane. It goes on in Wichita. It goes on in Seminole. It goes on in every place that you go where there's a religion. But we cannot even stretch our imagination with the scriptures and find that church, the, the churches of Christ in the first century were involved in such fleshly enticements and activities. Search the scriptures. You won't find that. You won't find people being caught up in these fleshly enticements. As I said in the last lesson that we had, a person's faith is only as strong as what they trust in. And many religions are dependent upon these fleshly activities to build up their numbers. And the people who are a part of those numbers, their faith is in the activities and not to the Word of God because that's not what's being served or being taught to those people. Being in the minority by following sound doctrine among uh, the circles of religion that we live in, it can be a wearisome thing. Jude 3 tells us, for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints, we have all the truth, we need to take a stand for the truth. But going back to our text, all mankind has the freedom to choose which spiritual direction it will go. In verse 6, for he who sows to the fle- his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit everlasting life. Now, while you and I have the liberty to engage in all kinds of activities, civic activities, social activities, things we can do as individuals interacting with our neighbors and our friends and our family, God doesn't allow us to conform the church to those individual liberties. The church is designed to carry out a spiritual purpose. And there's nothing wrong with it being just a spiritual purpose. If we want to have entertainment, we'll go find the entertainment. But the church is not for that. Any more than a butcher shop is a place you buy car parts. Well, why don't they sell car parts? Why don't they open up their arms and be more inclusive? Because that's not their business. And the church's business is not for the kind of satisfying the flesh. Christians are created for good works as God has defined them. What he has said is good, that is what a church should be involved with. For we are his workmanship, Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to look at some passages of Scripture that deal with this expression here of growing weary. Over in Titus, and there's several places in Titus I want to look at. uh, Titus chapter 1 and verse 16. You can follow along. I just have a piece of the Scripture up here. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient and disqualified for every good work. Here sets the stage for the weariness of dealing with things that are not good. In chapter 2 and verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. This is describing the good that the church is to be involved with. In chapter 3 and verse 1, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. And the good work here is God's definition, not man's definition, but the good work of the the work of the Lord in the church. In chapter 3 and verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm uh, constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works these things are good and profitable to men. And so the scriptures encourage us not to grow weary. 2 Thessalonians chapter t- uh, 3, and verse 13. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Well, we've read that in Galatians. Now we read it to the Thessalonians. And I'm sure Paul said that to all the churches that he wrote to. We look in the Hebrew writing in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 through 3. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against uh, against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So the scriptures acknowledge the idea of Christians growing weary, so it has a solution to deal with that. So this lesson we're going to look at this morning, the lesson is, uh, first of all, a reason for not growing weary. We want to look at, the causes of weariness, and then we're going to end the lesson with the remedy for uh, growing weary. First of all, let's look at the reasons for growing weary. Reap what you sow. We have two kinds of harvests that we're looking at. There's heaven and there's hell. And one of the reasons for not growing weary is because we want to go to one of those, but we don't want to go to the other. Heaven is for those who have spent their lifetime in faithfulness to God. Hell is for those who have sown to the flesh who have not sown or they maybe haven't sown at all. They've done nothing as far as their faith is concerned. No one can live the life of the wicked and die the death of the righteous. It just won't work. That principle is laid down with the sowing and reaping. It's an agricultural concept that can't be broken. What you plant is what you're going to get. How much you plant is how much you're going to get, you see. And so we find that this law of uh, sowing and reaping, one of the reasons uh, for not growing weary is that when we sow good, it's going to come to us. It will eventually be our blessing later on. And also, we do those things for some other reason, and that is to glorify God. Man glorifies God through his obedience. God's given us his will Nothing pleases God more than to, to obey his will. And by doing what he says, we show others that God, who God is and what God expects, we glorify God by the things that we do. Matthew 5 and verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Verbal praise to God carries no weight if when we say it, we don't do it. And we all know that. We know that in in personal relationships that we have. Yeah, can't trust that fella. Why? Well, he says he's going to do this, but he never does it. He never follows his word. Well, God expects that of us. We may say good things, but he expects us to do good things. Just word of mouth is not enough. We need to have action in our choices. Another thing that uh, one of the reasons for not growing weary is that it makes the church grow it excuse me it helps the church to grow spiritually and numerically when a church is disheartened a church like that tends to decrease in its growth going through the five acts of worship unenthusiastically or just mechanically going through these actions that's vain worship we cannot influence others to obey the gospel if we grow weary in obeying the truth itself. So growing, not growing weary then keeps our uh, energies alive. It keeps an attraction for why we are Christians so others can see that. And if we don't grow weary, they will see our enthusiasm, and it may call, attention, uh, uh, call cause them to pay attention to our life and ask questions, want to know more, maybe want to find out all about it. And to secure our own salvation, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, reaping everlasting life. It depends on this sowing to the spirit, doing the things that are right. And that's a reason that that can help us in not growing weary, or a reason for not growing weary, to secure our salvation to be right with God. But what causes us to be weary? Well, we've looked at some other some things earlier, and, and of course the list could go on and on, but the idea is that there are things that oppress us that go counter to what God wants. If our love is for right things and for good things, and these things are around us, That's a wearisome thing. Let's look at some of those things. Some of them are are related to a conflict with the ungodly world. Some get tired. They get tired of battling and standing for the truth. They get tired of not being appreciated because they stand for the truth and people don't like those things that they are saying. And so they give up and they give in. That weariness is where Satan targets his energies. He wants to catch somebody who is getting weary, and he'll help them leave the faith. But remember, somebody is going to win, and the church is made up of a bunch of somebodies. So somebodies, the brethren, they need to win against the world. They need to take a stand against the world. Let me give you an example Parents are commanded by God to outlast the rebellion of their children. When you stop and think about it, if they don't do that, if they don't outlast their disobedient children, uh, we'll win the battle between right and wrong in the household. And now your house is being run by the children, and all the parents have given in to the children, but the children are offering things that are not good for the home, And you'd be surprised how many parents do that. They just allow their children to run whatever they say. I've got to go along with them. Who's in charge here? Who's the parent here? Obviously, the children aren't paying the mortgage. They're not paying the car payment. And yet, we turn over sometimes to the children uh, those things and those responsibilities. The ungodly world does not need to weary us to the point where we just finally give in and let the world then demand. So the ungodly, the godly, need to win who can children count on for an example of right if the parents grow weary trying to teach them what is right and give in now where will the children turn to see the right example they can't see it in their parents in the same way people looking for the truth can they find it in us yes it's hard it's discouraging. It's discouraging to talk with people who don't want to listen to the truth. But if we let them win and go on and say, well, I'll just give in and not worry about it anymore, how are those who don't know the Lord like they should going to see the right example? Something to keep in mind, a cause of weariness, ingratitude of those we serve. In Luke chapter 17 in verses 11 through 19 Luke talks about the lepers, the ten lepers, where Jesus healed the ten lepers and they went away there rejoicing about their healing of the leprosy there. But one came back and expressed his gratitude for what had happened. And sometimes when we do things and we are doing the best we can, there are those that don't care. They don't show their gratitude for what? We shouldn't be in the business of doing good just because we like the pat on the back we like the feedback on it. It is encouraging when there is some response and feedback, but we shouldn't grow weary with that if someone shows or, or shows a lack of gratitude for the things that we do. Sometimes our service is rejected, and we're criticized for being self righteous, and so we are they show no, oh, no thanks for the things we're trying to do. That can be a wearisome thing. Another one is indifference of others who should be serving. Well, why should I serve? Look at them. That is, look at those who are maybe in the church. They are lazy. They're not doing what they're going to do. So why should I? A person who knows what they ought to be doing, but they start comparing themselves with others and they grow weary and they just give up because someone else uh, is not doing what they should do. Sometimes our service, uh, uh, sometimes we see in this this action or reaction to that kind of laziness, a person starts missing services, and the frequency becomes more and a little bit more, and it becomes more comfortable to stay at home and not to attend assemblies together with the saints. Remember, our reward comes from God, not others. Yes, encouragement is good, but if we're doing what's right, God's the one that's going to give the reward. If we give up because they didn't reward us, we're we're looking at the wrong person for the reward. We do what we're supposed to do and not grow weary by that. If you're the only one serving God, serve him. If you're the only one trying to please him, please him. And so God will be pleased because he's going to give the reward. The size and nature of tasks to be be done. Oh, there is just so much to do. Uh, This task is, is so unpleasant, and I don't want to do it. Well, stop and think about it. Will not doing it get it done? Will not trying to solve the problems make it less unpleasant? You see, it doesn't go away. And we can get weary, and we can give up. And it causes us not to do what we're supposed to do. But then things don't get done. We have that responsibility. Have you ever noticed how the unpleasantness of a task grows the longer you don't face it? And it just seems like I've got this distasteful thing to do. And I don't want to do it. And it is it's so overwhelming. And it's just Growing bigger and bigger. I found that way. Maybe I'm the only one here that that's the way it works. But if I put off doing something because it's distasteful, suddenly that thing becomes a monster, and it's bigger, and it gets bigger. What I have found is that if I will just grab myself by the collar and put myself in the situation and deal with it, it's smaller than I thought it was. It's not as big a deal. But I have allowed myself to fester and brew over it, and I created a bigger thing than it really was. And so the distastefulness may not be as bad if we will not let it get big. Go ahead and face those things. Most problems tend to be bigger in our minds than in reality, and we may discover that they're small if we'll just jump right in, and that will overcome that weariness. Opposition to plans to do the Lord's work sometimes is a wearisome thing when a local church is successful well that's where the devil is going to try to do a lot work he's going to work a lot harder because you see he doesn't have to work too hard for places or churches that are not doing the lord's work he's got them in his pocket you see but he's still going after the jewel and the jewel would be those who are faithful and when opposition comes some brethren will grow weary and they quit doing good And not all opposition comes from outside the church. Things come along, they come from within the church. Maybe a negative attitude. Oh, well, that'll that'll just never work. We tried this before and it didn't work. And how many of us say uh, this after trying something, uh, uh, trying to start our cars? I have put my key in it. Cars are pretty good about starting nowadays, but there's been times, and this may date me, Where you put the key in there to try to start and it just cranks and cranks and cranks and cranks. I never have just pulled the key out and said, well, I'm not going to get started. What do you do? You do it till the battery goes click, 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 click. You keep doing it. You keep coming back to that. This, as we look at this idea of weariness, we don't just quit at those attempts. We keep doing things that are right because God is going to reward us for that, not to give up. Another thing that becomes a weariness is fatigue, fatigue, just actual physical fatigue. Sometimes the expression burnout is used. Uh, We look at emergency medical services or emergency services, whatever they might be, whether it's the police or the EMS or or whatever, the fire department. There is a possibility to have burnout, especially if it's a volunteer arrangement. I've I've been on some of those uh, Uh, departments before and and you saw the burnout where where people doing and responding to the calls in the middle of the night and during the day and so many times and and people just get tired of it and they get burned out and say I just can't do this anymore and and they quit. Well what happens is that's usually the 10 percent or a few percent that are doing all this work and the others are not helping out and that becomes a weary thing. A wearisome thing, you remember back during the biggest or strongest uh, uh, COVID epidemic and when things were really bad in 2020, the most frequent news statements that were found were the burnout among the medical workers and how they were just working night and day and it just got to a point where some of them just couldn't handle it anymore. They grew weary and they burned out. Someone has observed that 90% of the church's, church's work is done by 10% of the people. I don't know whether or not that's true, but the evidence sometimes does show that, that a lot of the work is done by the fewest, few, a small number of the people. And because of the heavy demand on the 10%, some of them quit, and there goes the strength of the church because they get burned out. Well, we can't let that happen. All of us need to be conscious of that and realize there are some fatiguing things. So let us bear burdens with one another. Failure to see the results is another one. Let me see if I'm caught up here. Failure to see the results. Because we don't recognize these results sometimes when they happen. If we do the work of the Lord, it's working. It's working because we've done it. Something about doing the work of the Lord is going to accomplish something. Sometimes it's not a pleasant reaction to the work of the Lord. Sometimes teaching is not uh, done and appreciated. But when results take longer than we expect them to take, take then sometimes we'll say, well, what's the use? Why should I expend my energies when I'm not seeing the real results? And this makes our service then about us, doesn't it? It's all about me. I want it to be conveniently put in a slot and, f- and filled at a certain time, and, and I want it to, and, and, and it's not happening then, and so I'm just going to give up. When we do what's good, then that good is going to accomplish something. We don't quit doing good just because we don't see the results. It's amazing to me, and, and I've experienced this, maybe you have too, but in, in gospel preaching. Uh, preaching lessons and maybe going back to a congregation I hadn't been to for years and when I was there the first time there were teenagers and a teenager to come up to me who is now 25 years old do you remember when you preached that sermon and I'm going no (laughs) I don't remember it well I do you preached and you made a point and that point you made affected the way I thought about something and and it changed my life. I didn't see that result immediately, but it happened. It was something that changed a person's life. You don't know if you're doing good. You don't know sometimes that somebody is seeing that, and they may never come around. It's like, guess what? I saw that, and therefore I'm going to listen and do it. But they do it, and it affects them. We're not in the business to get that feedback but we will have effect. We, we will uh, see the word of God do what is good. Failure to see those results doesn't mean there's failure that there are results. They may be there. It's never, never a waste of time to do good. Remember, our reward will come at the end of the harvest. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 39, the parable or story about the tares, where the wheat and the tares were, were planted, the servant said, should we go and pull the tares, the weeds? Uh, and the, the master, of course, says, no, don't do that. You'll pull up both of them. Wait until the end. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. At the end of the age. That's where our rewards are really going to come that are going to count for eternity. So when we're looking for these things and we don't see the results, There's results taking place, we just may not see them, and they may not be the ones we thought they would be, but if we do good, it will help. In Luke chapter 14 and verses 12 through 14, it says, Then he also said to them who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So again, our reward by doing good is not the immediate gratification of feedback. It's waiting until the time of the end. James chapter 5 and verse 7, it said, James chapter 5 and verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it rece- he received until it receives the early and later rain or latter rain. So being patient is involved. We live in a hard age in our time, but I want to take you back hundreds of years to show the exact same kind of attitude that was going on and Mood in the world with Ezekiel. Turn with me, if you will, to Ezekiel chapter two. Ezekiel chapter two. Listen to the way Ezekiel is told about the Israelites who had rebelled against God. Ezekiel was a prophet who was among the Israelites who had been taken away from their land and put into Babylonian captivity. And Ezekiel was among those people. Now, those people were wicked. Those people were taken away because they were wicked. And here's a prophet of God trying to deal with him. Then the Spirit, in verse 2, Then the Spirit entered me, and he spoke to me, and set me on my feet. And I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day, for they are impudent and stubborn children. I'm sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, As for them, whether they hear or not, whether they refuse, uh, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are are rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And so he, God is telling him, you do your work. They're going to rebel against you, but you don't give up and become like they are. Now go with me to chapter three in verses five through nine. For you are not sent to the people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely I had sent you to them, they would have listened to you. Uh, Had I sent them to you, they would have listened to you. And I think he's referring to the Gentiles, those who spoke another language. But he sent them to the house of Israel. But the house of Israel will not listen to you because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I've made your face strong against their faces and your foreheads strong against their foreheads. Like adamant stone harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Well, I kind of like to look at, at that Ezekiel. And when I think about myself in that sense of wanting to give up because of weariness, I think about what God told Ezekiel here. I have given you a hard head. I have given you truth. I've given you what's right. Don't give up. You keep doing it. These people aren't going to listen, but you keep doing what's right. They need to know you're going to be there even if they don't obey you, that you need to keep doing what is right. Our society is hardened by indifference and pleasure. And so it was in the days of Ezekiel. Our responsibility is to plant and to water and let God give the increase. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 5 through 17, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. The scripture says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, let each one's work become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built built on it endures he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Notice what he describes here about the work to be done. Some will work and their works will Be kind of a reward to them because they will be profitable works. Some will work and what they produce will fall away. They will be destroyed, but you will be saved. Both of them were doing the same thing. One happened to have good benefits, the other didn't, but they did what was right. So even the one who did not benefit, the one whose work you might say was burned up, those were able to receive a blessing. They would still be saved. In chapter 4 in verse 2, it just simply says, Moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. So let's bring our lesson to a close as we look at the remedy for sin. I mean, <laughs> the remedy for weariness in doing good. Number one, pray. Pray to God. Ask for forgiveness for quitting if you've quit. And then resolve to quit Quitting. Resolve not to get in that loop of giving in. Resolve to continue on. Ask for strength against the temptation to quit. Study the Bible. Look at it. It is not a book of myths. It is not a book of of, uh, ideas just to make somebody feel good. It's a good book of practical, sensible explanations of how you deal with the most critical issues you'll face in your life. Look at the book. The book has the answers. In Romans 15 and verse 4, Paul made a statement to the Christians in the New Testament time, the first century, about things that were done centuries before. He said, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. A lack of patience often stems from a lack of knowing what's in God's book. If you don't know how to handle a situation, you may give up quicker. And grow weary. But the more you know, the more you know how to handle situations. This is typical of of workers, it's typical of those who may have greater years in a business. And the more they know, the more they can handle all the problems that come along. And we turn to those people a lot of times because of their wisdom. Well, don't give up. Keep studying, and your knowledge will then grow. And what you had a problem with five years ago, you know how to handle it now. And not only do you know how to handle it, but by handling it, you can help that person to grow, and they will in turn grow and be able to handle it. So there's a lot of power in studying the Word of God and understanding. Patience and Bible understanding, they they go hand in hand. Another one is brotherly encouragement. In Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not the forsaking of assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Sometimes some brethren will look at assembling of the saints as a burden. And why do I have to go there? I'm going to go because it's the right thing to do. Oh, that's not the way to go. That's not the attitude you should have. Here's what the attitude It's not the assembling together. It's the exhorting one another that's involved. It is that admonishing one another. It is that encouraging of one another. And so what you're actually saying is, I don't want to encourage my brethren. I don't care about their soul. I don't want to attend because I'm tired of getting up early and driving and getting here and all this. It's all about me, you see. And that's our world around us. Me, me, me. But what you're saying in reality is, I don't care about my brother's soul. I'm not going to exhort him. I'm not going to try to encourage him. The assembling was designed by God to prevent the discouragements. And when people don't assemble, they become the discouragement for the rest of them. But when they are regular in attendance, and as you experience this, those of you who are here on a regular basis, you put a fire under the others. You give them encouragement. You give them strength. And that helps overcome weariness in a lot of things. You each go out your own separate ways, and you face things that are unique to you as challenges. And maybe it's something none of the brethren can help you with, but they can help you with you so that you are revived to go and handle that battle again. And you've got a backup. You've got people behind you. So there is value in that brotherly encouragement. Discouragement lessens when good brethren are with brethren and not when they're away from brethren. Seek Christian friendship, especially in times of weariness. And then finally, trust in God's promises. Accept and believe that God knows what's going on. He can see what's going on. We think we know everything. He can watch everything we do. And when we grow weary by doing good, he knows that. But when we take ourselves and and do what's right in spite of the weariness, he knows that. He sees and understands that. He's, he's, he acknowledges that. So continue doing your best. He'll take care of the rest. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 5 through 7. First Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7 says, Likewise, you younger younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. We are not members of a local church to compete with each other. We are members of the local church because we need each other, because we need the strength from each other because not anyone here has all the strength they need. They need the strength from someone else in a different way, in a different capacity. And when everybody thinks that way and humbles themselves that way and recognizes, you know, I don't know it all and I can't do it all, but I know a brother who could help me and it sure would encourage me. And then we help each other. We short, our shortcomings can be compensated with others who can encourage us in those areas. And they may have the shortcomings that you become a help in. But you don't know that unless you turn to one another and then trust in the promises of God. He cares for us as we work together doing his work. Well, let's bring our lesson to a close. In conclusion, a couple of passages of Scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. If you go for years and being faithful to serve the Lord, you don't see any results, don't receive any compliments, it's not in vain. It's doing what God wants you to do. If it does no more than earn your way to heaven, it will all be worth it. And then one other passage, Galatians 6 verse 9 it goes back to the beginning. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall, we shall reap. We will get the reward. Don't give up. Keep sowing the word of God. I want to encourage you, brethren, to do that. Do that here in Mulvane. We try to do it where we're at. And anytime you have opportunity, encourage each other to do that. Appreciate your attention this morning. There may be someone here that has thought about what one needs to do to be saved. We talked about those in other lessons, that the blood of Christ is what takes away sin. The blood was shed in his death. We have to be buried into his death in order to join where that blood is. And baptism is that step that takes us into that death. It's not the water, but water is the medium for a burial so we can go with the burial of Christ in that connection. And we can raise out of the waters to be raised to walk in newness of life because His blood takes our sins away. That's the promise of God. We encourage you to respond while we stand, while we sing this song. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.